Gentlemen, bienvenue and welcome to The Musical Man, the podcast that shines new light on the Tony Award for Best Musical. Each week we examine the nominees and winners of that esteemed decoration, and this week we'll be discussing Come From Away. On final approach, we're coming into runway 22, and I think, where am I going to park this thing? There are planes lined up like sardines, and as far as I can see, there's cars lined up too. It looks like everybody in Newfoundland is here. One plane, then another, and then another, and then another. Is this on? And Sorry, I'm new. This is Rogers TV, Channel 9. My name's Janice Mosher, and, and I'm reporting live from Gander Airport, where the 19th plane, plane has just touched down. I'm here with Bonnie Harris. On a normal day, we get a half dozen flights. Now, we already got three times that many landing. In two hours, there's a lot of noise. You can smell the fuel. You can smell the exhaust. Jesus, that's a jumbo. There's got to be 250 or 300 on her. That's a fairly large one. There's got to be 200 on her. No, I'm adding this up. We got 38 planes. We got two, 300 people on the average. Shit. But first, how are we doing? I hope this episode of the podcast finds you well. Happy holidays. Happy New Year. It's been a rough 365 days, has it not? Oh my goodness, the challenges that came our way, they seemed insurmountable, and yet here we are together again in the main feed. I unfortunately do need to begin this opening segment on a sad note. We, of course, celebrate the life and legacy of Betty White, who passed away recently as at the age of 99, but we also mourn the loss of an amazing individual, an amazing comedian and actor. My God, I don't know how to distill her legacy down to just a couple of seconds. I, I think her career speaks for itself. I think her spirit speaks for itself. Never mind the output. Let's just focus on her as an individual. She brought so much happiness to other individuals, and that's all we can really strive to do, right? Yes, correct. So our Hats are off to you, Betty White. We will miss you. Oh, rest in peace. We are recording this episode. Patty and Benny and I, we are recording this just before, and we will be releasing this episode a few days after our third anniversary. Talk about Happy New Year. Happy New Year to us. Three years of podcasting. My goodness. And as I said, this past year was filled with challenges. I faced a lot of doubt, and I questioned whether or not I could keep this project going, but people like Patty and Benny, and especially my wonderful husband, my Gooby, my Chris, oh, I thank them for the support, the encouragement, because without them, I really do think I would have kicked this bucket into the gutter, but we have so much work left to do, and I am excited. I am happy to be here. You know what? You know what's really tricky about a podcast? Editing the podcast. You know what's tricky about the podcast? Marketing the podcast. Oh, it's such a trial. It's such a chore sometimes, but when we're here in the moment, when we are having fun to together. That's the reason why we do it. That's the reason why we do it, and we want you to hear the final polished product. So you have to put in the work. You do. You really do. Now, speaking of marketing the podcast, I want to talk about our five-star reviews for a second, if I may. Now, Zombies 3, Disney's Zombies 3, is currently set to drop at some point in the calendar year of 2022. It does not have a firm release date at this time, but because of the fact that the movie is going 
to drop in 2022, I feel now is the time to really push our agenda when it comes to five-star reviews. If you have ever listened to our show before, you will be all too familiar with this goal of ours, but maybe this is your first episode. Look, we want 60 five-star reviews, and we are not there yet. We are not there yet, but when we get to 60 five-star reviews, I will record and release an episode on the main feed that is all about the Disney's Zombies franchise. I have seen Zombies, but I have not seen Zombies 2, and I want to watch Zombies 3 because it's about aliens. There are aliens in the third movie, so please give me the gift of Zombies 3. Now is the time. If you're listening to this show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, take a second right now and write a five-star review. Do it on both platforms. Even if you don't listen to the show via those platforms, do us a favor and write a review anyway. It'll only take a few moments of your time. Start the new year off right. Let's get to this finish line before Zombies 3 is unleashed upon the world, okay? Now, we decided, we actually, if I may give you a peek behind the curtain, speaking of this session of ours, this recording session of ours, we decided to push this episode back by a week so we could properly enjoy the Christmas holiday, and I am here to say that we did. I believe that we all had a wonderful Christmas time. Oh, the collage of photos I received from Patty and her partner and their child. Oh, they built a gingerbread house that, if I may say, was ludicrously impressive. I don't know how they did it. There was video as well. I saw the whole process. I I thank you, Patty, for sharing that with me because I do not know. I do not know if I would have the, the skill necessary to put together what you put together. It was it was truly astounding. So thank you, of course, the baby, the little one. Oh, I love seeing photos of her at any point in time. Benny, oh my gosh, Benny, Benny was telling us all about how he, if I may say, <laughs> effectively traumatized and also delighted. I feel like they had a fun time with the stories that you made up regarding the elf on the shelf. Now, as we all know, the elf on the shelf is an inherently creepy premise, but you applied a sort of straight-up psychological horror filter on top of the elf on the shelf, and your nephews are both under 10, correct? Yes, they're both under 10. Correct, I am correct. And I I delighted in hearing about this tale that you were spinning for them. I like that you combined Christmas and Halloween. <laughs> it just, you had to be there. You had to be there, listeners. And I just wanted to let you know that Benny is a genius. These people that I work with, they are creative geniuses onto themselves, onto themselves in their own right. And I am so proud to have them here as part of the Musical Man family. Finally! This is the final note for our opening segment this week. I want to introduce to you a brand new inductee into the CPCC, the Cream Pie Cutie Club. If this is your first episode of the podcast, you may not know what the Cream Pie Cutie Club is. Well, it is a collection of gentlemen that I find to be cute. I deem them to be cutie pies. These are Broadway and West End performers, and they have my permission to throw me onto my back and turn me into a cream pie, huh? Yeah, you get it. <laughs> the people who have been with us since day one, they definitely get it. They have heard me describe 
<laughs> the, the agenda of the CPCC several times, but I just wanted to provide that info to you. Now, okay, so the big news is we have a new inductee, correct? Who is that individual? Who is this person? It's Mike Faist of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story. Mike Faist is also known on Broadway for his work in Dear Evan Hansen and Newsies. Whew. Mike, you are officially in the CPCC. You can do whatever you want to me, please, and thank you. As a reminder, here is the full roster of the CPCC. I actually had to make a few judicious cuts. I reviewed all of the names. I took a look at the images online, and I made a few cuts. So if you are offended by the fact that some of our CPCCs are no longer with us, I do apologize, but those cuts needed to be made. It's like varsity, you know, when you get cut. I don't know how sports work. Why, why am I trying to make a varsity comparison? Okay, so we have Jelani Aladdin, John Jonathan Bailey, Tommy Bracco, Luke Brady, David Diggs, Matt Doyle, Claiborne Elder, Mike Faist, Harvey Firestein, Jordan Fisher, Jonathan Groff, Jake Gyllenhaal, Isaac Cole Powell, Daniel Radcliffe, Tom Holland, Devin Elaw, Nick Jonas, Jeremy Jordan, Ramin Karamlu, Nathan Lane, Telly Leung, Matt Manuel, Chris McCarroll, Lin-Manuel Miranda, Leslie Odom Jr., Mr. Peanut, Mr. Peanut himself, of course, Anthony Ramos, Andrew Rannells, Conrad Ricamora, Hector Rivera, Nick Robinson, Ethan Slater, Charlie Stemp, Wesley Taylor, Sam Tutty, and bringing up the rear, Tony Yazbek. Oh, the star of Flying Over Sunset. Hello. I am very interested in hearing that score. Okay, that's all we have when it comes to this opening segment. It's been so long since we've talked to you, there was so much to go over. Huh. Okay, but now it's time for the show facts regarding this week's subject. Come from away. Show me the show facts. All right. Come from away was a 2017 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical. It opened on March 12th, 2017 at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater and has logged 1,357 performances as of December 26th, 2021. Come From Away is currently the 72nd longest running show in Broadway history, sitting between Dear Evan Hansen at number 71, 1,374 performances, and Funny Girl at number 73, 1,348 performances. The book, music, and lyrics for Come From Away were written by Irene Senkoff and David Hine. The director of the original production was Christopher Ashley. The musical director, well, we have, oddly enough, we have an associate musical director credit, which goes to Chris Ranney, but I was not able to find an official musical director credit. Very confusing. Hi, BDB, what's going on? Orchestrations, August Eric's Mullen. Choreographer, well, we have a musical staging by credit. We love a musical staging by credit. And that goes to Kelly Devine. Devine? I don't know. I apologize for any mispronunciations. Scenic design, Beowulf Borat. Wonderful name. Lighting design, Howell Binkley. Howell, I have said your name several times. I know you. Sound design, Gareth Owen. Costume design, Tony Leslie James. And the original Broadway cast was as follows. Patrina Bromley, Broadway debut. Congratulations. Gino Carr, Broadway debut. Congratulations. Jen Colella, Joel Hatch, Rodney Hicks, Kendra Kassabom, Chad Kimball, Lee McDougal, Broadway debut. Cesar Samayoa, Q Smith, 
Astrid Van Weeren and Sharon Wheatley. Again, any mispronunciations of first or last names, I apologize for those. I do try my best. The production received the following Tony nods. It won the Tony Award for Best Direction of a Musical, Christopher Ashley, and it was additionally nominated for the following awards. Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, Irene Senkoff and David Hine. Best Original Score Written for the Theater, Irene Senkoff and David Hine. Best Featured Actress in a musical, Jen Colella, Best Choreography, Kelly Devine, and Best Lighting Design of a Musical, Howell Binkley. Hello again, Howell. So, seven Tony Award nominations, one award at the end of the evening. They took home one award. The plot of Come From Away is based on true events, though certain names have been changed, and a number of stories were merged for the sake of dramatic narrative clarity. We begin on September 11th, 2001. The people of Gander, a small town located within the Newfoundland province of Canada rise to face another day. Among their ranks, Claude, the Pepsi-loving mayor, Bonnie, an animal lover who works for the SPCA, Doug, an air traffic controller and husband to Bonnie, Bayula, head of the Gander Legion, Oz, the constable of Gander's two-person police force, Annette, a teacher at Gander Academy, and Garth, a union bus driver. The residents are shaken by news from America, where a series of terrorist attacks has left the nation reeling. At least one goal becomes obvious amidst the chaos. U.S. airspace must be cleared as swiftly as possible. To that end, Canada launches Operation Yellow Ribbon, which will ultimately divert over 200 flights to 17 civilian and military airports throughout America's neighbor to the north. One of those airports happens to be located in Gander. The arrival of 38 planes containing 6,122 passengers, 473 crew members, and 19 animals effectively doubles the town's population in the blink of an eye. And while the citizens of Gander are all too aware of the reasons for this detour, the plane people know very little as to what is going on. Upon being cleared by security, they are transfixed by the footage coming out of New York City, Washington, D.C., and Shanksville, Pennsylvania. The people of Gander quickly spring into action, offering their food, clothing, and homes to anyone who has come from away. Bayula of Gander finds kinship with Hannah of New York City. Both of their sons happen to be firefighters, though Hannah has no idea if her son is safe. The women visit a nearby Catholic church, while others gather at synagogues and mosques. Over the next five days, the plain people and their Canadian benefactors experience a series of emotional blows and triumphs. Bonnie of the Gander SPCA works tirelessly to care for the animals who have come from away, a menagerie that includes a pair of bonobo chimps. Ali, a gourmet chef who is also Muslim, faces suspicion and anger before connecting with Bayula over food. Beverly Bass, the first female pilot to serve as captain for American Airlines, reckons with the possibility that air travel will never be the same again. Bob, a black man from New York, eventually lets his guard down in the face of Gander's endearing, if occasionally stupefying, friendliness. A spontaneous ceremony at a local bar recognizes the passengers as honorary Newfoundlanders. Two of the travelers, Nick of England and Diane of Texas, are surprised to find romance, while another couple, Kevin T. and Kevin J., slowly come undone by stress. We will talk about Kevin T. 
and Kevin James. Don't you? No, not Kevin James. <laughs> no, no, no. Kevin T and Kevin J. The J does not stand for James. Kevin James is not involved in this story. My goodness. Okay, we will talk about them is all I mean to say. And then there's Annette, the teacher from Gander, who is just generally horny at any given moment. Really, really horny. Annette is down to clown, and there is nothing wrong with that. It is, to say the least, an emotionally fraught period, but when the passengers are eventually sent home on September 16th, they find they are grateful for Gander and its generosity. This inspiring example of community transcending national boundaries is underscored by two grim moments. An aggressively thorough strip search of Ollie, which leaves him feeling humiliated, and the discovery that Hannah's son died while acting as a first responder. Ten years later, the people of Gander host a reunion for their international friends. They admit life wasn't the same once the plain people left their shores, but find comfort in embracing them once more. As Mayor Claude puts it, quote, tonight we honor what was lost, but we also commemorate what we found. Quote, side note regarding Mayor Claude, he loves Pepsi, I said that, but he loves Pepsi so much that he orders one every morning at a Tim Hortons franchise in Gander, a Pepsi for breakfast. No offense, Mayor, but that's gross, okay? Now, for the purposes of this week's episode, I listened to the 2017 original Broadway cast album of Come From Away. I watched the 2017 Tony Awards performance of Welcome to the Rock, and I watched the 2021 Apple TV Plus presentation that was filmed at the Gerald Schoenfeld Theater in May of 2021, and I believe that features several, if not all, of the original Broadway cast members. I believe it is a matter of several and not all, but I could be wrong about that. I did not confirm. I don't have a hard answer for you there. Ooh, a hard answer. And now it is time to talk about the score. Okay, Patty, Benny, what's our first clip? Let's hear it. On the northeast tip of North America, on an island called Newfoundland, there's an airport. It used to be one of the biggest airports in the world, and next to it is a town called Gander. Welcome to the rock if you come from away. Huh? You probably understand about a half of what we say. Yeah. They say no man's an island, but an island makes a man. Especially when one comes from one like Newfoundland. Welcome to the rock. That morning, I'm in the classroom. It's our first day back, and the school buses are on Not exactly thrilled to be inside on such a gorgeous day. So I told them we'd only have a half day this morning and they were quite pleased until I told them we'd have the other half in the afternoon. Welcome to the wildest weather that you've ever heard of. Where everyone is nicer, but it's never nice above. Welcome to the farthest place you'll get from Disneyland. Fish and chips and shipwrecks. This is Newfoundland. Welcome to the rock. Kids cross Airport Boulevard to get to school, and that time of day, people are in a little bit of a rush to get to work and stuff. So, normally, I sit there and run my radar. And if they're speeding, I'll stop them and write out a warning ticket. I'll write STFD. Slow the fuck down. Welcome to the land where the 
the winters tried to kill us and we said, we will not be killed. Welcome to the land where the waters tried to drown us and we said, we will not be drowned. Welcome to the land where we lost our loved ones and we said, we will still go on. Welcome to the land where the winds tried to blow and we said no. That morning I dropped my kids off at school and head to the SPCA where I'm greeted by my other kids all barking and meowing for breakfast and a belly rub. Not that I'm complaining, I loves them. But by the time feeding is done, I got to get back to pick up my human kids. So I take just one second for myself and I'm sitting in my car. I'm in the library. I'm in the staff room. And, and I, I turn, turn on the radio. You are here at the start of a moment on the edge of the world where the river meets the sea. Here on the edge of the Atlantic running my radar when Bonnie comes by. She pulls up and she is waving at me like mad. So I roll down my window and she says, Oz, turn on the radio. Slow it down. Jesus H. Oz, turn on your radio. Where our story starts. It's my first day at the station. Where we'll end the night. I'm getting coffee for the picket line. Where we know my heart. Five minutes till my smoke break. Every single flight. I'm off to work at the airport. Welcome to the park. Welcome to the trees. To the ocean and the sky and whatever's in between. To the ones who've left, you never truly got Our candles in the window and the candles always on When the sun is coming up and the world is coming short If you're hoping for a harbor, then you'll find an open door In the winter from the water through whatever's in the way To the ones who have come from the way Welcome to the rock! I'm a fan of any come-from-away number that has a clear beginning, middle, and end. Senkoff and Hein have engineered their score to ensure it blends seamlessly with the book, thereby securing a certain amount of forward momentum. We have no time for ovations from the audience. We must keep the trains running on time, so to speak. Welcome to the Rock is really the only exception to this rule. The deep percussion at the top of the number inspires instant investment on the part of the crowd, and we are allowed to show our appreciation in the wake of that final cracking chord from the band. After that, it is assumed we can enjoy the rest of the show without having to worry about preordained applause breaks. This is no minor risk. People expect and appreciate outlets for their enthusiasm, but Come From Away denies them this opportunity for the most part. Does the risk pay off? Indubitably. Welcome to the Rock provides enough nourishment to get us through the evening without a hitch. It also teaches us what to expect from the overall score, specifically how documentary-style testimonials will play an enormous part in every musical sequence. It took me a while to swallow this convention, and part of me still longs for a version of Come From Away where everyone is not constantly playing to the house. Speaking of playing to the house, the use of pantomime is especially heightened throughout this opening. For example, Oz is rolling down his car window while saying, I rolled down my car window. Bonnie is pointing to Oz's radio, pointing right at it while shouting, Oz, turn on your radio. The insistent punctuation of these details initially rang as condescending, like I was being led by a leash. But as Chris pointed out, these details mean a great deal to the character. 
encounters. Most of us remember where we were and what we were doing on 9-11, and those tangible, granular bits of memory helped to ground us during life-changing events. I was wearing X, I had X for breakfast, etc. It's like recalling the events of a dream, which can often feel just as unreal as our waking life. If you can't rely on the little things to ground yourself, you'll end up adrift. On a lighter note, I really can't get enough of the phrase, I'm an islander, I am an islander. It's like catnip to me, meow meow, and I posit no one is immune to its charm. I also like to alter the lyrics of Come Sail Away by Sticks, so they reflect the title of this week's subject. Come from away, come from away, come from away with me. You get it. You see what I did? I'm so clever. I'm so clever. We cannot move on without addressing the issue of censorship and how it affects Welcome to the Rock. The original version, which you would have heard, includes the phrase, slow the fuck down, which becomes slow the hell down for the purposes of the Tony's broadcast. That did not surprise me in the least. As we are talking about network television in this instance, TV has a famously bizarre relationship with so-called explicit language. I was, however, taken aback by Apple's approach to this self-same moment. Instead of replacing fuck with hell, they simply cut out the audio. Slow the fuck down becomes slow the down. But then, in a later number, the phrase freaking the fuck out is dubbed over, so we hear it as freaking the freak out. Here's a wild idea. Why not ask the actors, they know they're being filmed, right, in advance, why not ask the actors to replace every instance of fuck with hell, and then call it a day? All I'm asking for is a little consistency, people. Lead me around on a leash if you must, bark bark, but make the rules consistent. The flight attendants keep telling us nothing's wrong, but I've got kids. And I've got grandkids, I know when someone's hiding something. And when parents need their kids to stop asking questions, they start playing movies. We ran through every movie we had. Legally Blonde, Dr. Doolittle 2, and Titanic. I sit here. I need to get some work done. And there's some drunk people at the back of the plane singing at the top of their lungs. No, of course. I'm Diane. Nick, how you doing? I'm worried about someone. He was flying today. I just wish there was some way to tell him where I am. Newfoundland. Oh no, you know that. You just can't tell him. Right. I'm hoping you're one of those people who laughs when English people say awkward things. I just wish we knew what was happening. What's happening? What's happening? Somewhere in between your life and your work. When the world may be falling apart and you think I'm alone. I'm alone and I'm so damn helpless. There's nothing left to do but dream. We open the air. Here's 
something you may not know about me. I am not a pilot, and far be it from me to question the judgment of a pilot, but if I had access to a sizable, not small, cache of booze, I would not hand the keys over to passengers who meet the following criteria. One, they have been stuck in my plane for over a day. Two, they are claustrophobic. Three, they are tired. Four, they are paranoid. Five, they are trying to process a national tragedy. Adding liquor to this equation does not seem like an especially wise idea to me, but again, me, I, myself, I'm no pilot. I am just a man who knows he would absolutely fall apart in this scenario. You would not want to give me liquor. I, I suppose I would probably be fine throughout a triple feature of Legally Blonde, Dr. Doolittle 2, and Titanic, but if you were to start playing Dr. Doolittle 2 again, I know I would fall apart. I once rode a megabus that played Mulan 2 twice, and there were no fancy headphones Alright, you could not opt in or out of Mulan 2. Mulan 2 was all around you, whether you liked it or not. Have you watched Mulan 2? Have you watched Mulan 2 and then immediately watched it again? I would not recommend it. Booze would not help. Finally, out of the darkness, my bus arrives at the Salvation Army camp. Pass to a large gate in a bus, pulls to a stop. And through the windows, out there in the darkness, we see all these people coming out of the buildings. We rarely use them, but everyone's dusted off their Salvation Army uniforms to welcome these people. There are soldiers everywhere. And they so to see. The man at the front opens the door. I say, here you are, out you go, but he doesn't understand. And he's not getting off. None of them are. He's on the but then I notice his wife, where well, she's clutching a Bible. Now, obviously, I can't read it, but their Bible. It'll have the same number system ours does, so I ask to see it, and I'm searching for something. And then, in Philippians 4, 6... I give them their Bible and I'm pointing saying, look, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. And that's how we started speaking the same language. forged by the bus driver and his African passengers throughout the reprise of Darkness and Trees is a moment I am eager to accept at face value. There's a good amount of material within Come From Away that reduced me to skepticism, but I view this as an unqualified victory for humanity. The bus driver uses the Bible to transcend language and bring comfort to the passengers. If that is not a galaxy brain idea, I would like to know what is. I would like to see one. I just think it's nice how the Bible was used to solve a problem for once. The Bible has practical applications in a pinch. Who knew? 
Anyway, I get lunch set up, labeling anything that'll go bad with the date and time. I let the pants out for one of the pilots who's been enjoying our cooking. Make a balloon animal for a crying toddler. And then I check on Hannah, leaving messages for anyone she can reach. I am here. I am here on an island. Hello? Hello? It's me again. Yeah, my son. He's with rescue, too. Any news? I am his mother. I'm far away, stuck here. I'm trying to find out if... Fine. I'll hold again. I should be down there and checking the hospitals, putting up signs, doing something instead. I am here. I am here in Canada. I am telling you, listen, my son, he takes risks. He's not missing. He's helping or hurt. He'll get out of this. Yes, I'll keep trying. And yes, here's the number. And yes, at the Legion and Gander, I'll be right here. I should be there when it's over and done. When he comes through the door and says, I'm home, Mom. I should be there for my son, but instead I am Message after message for her son until there's no more room on his answering machine. All I know is you are there. You are there. And I am Hannah's through line to be deeply affecting and harrowing. This woman is clutching onto the idea that her son is still alive and has not been able to reach her, and that blend of optimism and desperation is expressed to great effect via I Am Here. I Am Here should be longer. The show rarely stops moving long enough for us to sit next to and really see its characters, and I could have used another minute or two with Hannah. Q. Smith understood the assignment. In her hands, Hannah is both an individual and a mother to everyone in the audience. I have no idea if I, if I could hold on to hope the way Hannah did, does, but witnessing her almost meditative patience made me think it was possible. Imagine, if you will, sitting in a Broadway theater and watching a phenomenally popular musical based partially on your life, your life experiences. Imagine what it would be like to see a version of yourself on stage, a doppelganger, a simulacrum, a version of you that is almost completely unlikable. That is exactly what happened to the real Kevin J. And I can only imagine how he must have felt. I imagine he felt pretty crappy. Because Kevin J, as depicted in this show, is a whiny, wet blanket. And I understand the character is informed by fear, as are all of the characters, and Come From Away does not view him as a monster. He has a mother and a sister he cares about. Sure, fine, he's a human being. He also undermines everything his boyfriend says, or does, and feels zero compunction when it comes to mocking Gander. Ah, this is a redneck 
Atlantic backwater hellhole. I resent these jamokes with their ugly clothes and stupid traditions, and I hate how Kevin T. wants to spend time with them, making the most out of a bad situation. Ah, oh, oh, talk about selfish. I am breaking up with him the minute we get back to America. Discovering Kevin J broke up with Kevin T and not the other way around threw me for a loop. Talk about a twist. Then again, we should consider how Kevin J was Kevin T's secretary. And during the show's finale, we learn Kevin T has hired and is presumably dating another gay man secretary? Stop dating your secretaries, Kevin T, and stop referring to them as secretaries. It's an outdated term. There's a man here in town. He's lived here nearly his entire life. He heard that there was a rabbi diverted here, and he came to find me and tell me his story. I was born in Poland, I think, and my parents, they were Jews. They sent me here before the war started. I still remember some of the prayers they taught me. As a boy, I was told I should never tell anyone I was Jewish, even my wife. But after what happened on Tuesday, so many stories, God, just like that. I needed to tell someone. During El Fagir, when most people are asleep, it is easier to pray. But at Duhur, I can feel them watching me. Sometimes I catch them when they think I'm not looking and I can see the fear in their eyes. Excuse me, Beulah wanted me to check on you. The library's open for anyone looking for some peace and a quiet place to pray. talk about Ollie. I actually revisited Prayer thinking it was the only number in which Ollie sang, not as a member of the chorus, but on his own, as an individual. This is not true, as it turns out, because Ollie never sings. Come From Away considers him to be a key member of the company, but unlike Hannah or Beverly or Nick and Diane, the show does not allow Ollie to express himself through song. Why is that? Are Ollie's experiences somehow less compelling or relevant than those of his fellow passengers? Of course not. So why not write a song 
for Ollie. Give Caesar Samayoa a turn in the spotlight. I would like to know what informed the decision to leave Ollie out in the cold like this, if it was a conscious decision at all. Senkoff and Hein, both white, may never have thought to write a song in the first place. Perhaps the idea never even crossed their minds. It's a damn shame, because when it comes to missed opportunities in the world of musical theater, I consider this to be one of the biggest. Now there's a solemn old tradition for admission, for audition, to transition from a come from away, to be a Newfoundlander. The only other way, at any rate, is pass away and pray to fate and wait to reincarnate. As a People cried. You'll be a Newfoundlander. Hey, hey, sit down right here. Newfoundlander in a year. Try to ignore your doubts and fears. And you'll be a Newfoundlander. Now we need a couple of volunteers. Who wants to become a Newfoundlander? Right here. Good man. Who else? I have no idea why I put up my hand in Kevin's life. Oh my God, are you serious? Oh my God, you are serious. Yes, I'm serious. Don't do it if you don't want to. I won't. Where are you from, buddy? Los Angeles. Hell, hey. Who else? Right. Where are you folks from? Uh, Texas. Texas. What part of Texas are you from, buddy? No, 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 no. I'm, no. I'm from Texas. He's from England. Wait, now how does that work? How does what work? Well, how does your marriage work with you being in England, her in Texas? We're not married. Not really. I'm sorry. I assumed you were married. No. Well, would you like to be? <laughs> well, why not? <laughs> Diana had two beers by then, so it was probably the alcohol talk. I've never had more than one married time before, so it's probably the alcohol talk. I went and got her two more beers. Now, the first part is the easiest. We'll soon get to the queasiest. I'll need you to repeat this mess. When you become a Newfoundlander. Cut, speaks a different language, son. We add some S's and some rum. You'll have to try a good cut time. When you become a Newfoundlander. Hey, hey, listen to your best. Nothing scary, nothing dead. You'll have to change the way you're dressed. And you'll be a Newfoundlander. Hey, hey, just sing along. Nothing adventure, just prolong. There's 30 verses in this song. And you'll be a Newfoundlander. was stationed here and was offered some of this stuff. All the locals were tossed it back with our quiver, so he does too. And let's up to near Pearson. Everybody comes to see what's happening, says. What was that ungodly screech? And now it's your turn. Are you ready? Jamaican rum. Screech is horrific. Screech is delicious. And then they brought the cod. The cod. The cod. The cod. Now with every transformation comes a tiny bit of risk. You gotta walk the plank and there'll be blood or there'll be bliss. And it's a shame to be a Newfoundlander. Every person's wish, so don't be down. Just take the plunge. Go on, kiss the fish. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a genuine, freshly caught Newfoundland cock. And if you want to become an honorary Newfoundlander, you'll have to give her a smooch. What? Oh! If you kiss that, I am never kissing you again. I'll risk it. Two! I'm not kissing a fish. Come on, I will if you will. Oh my God, fine. I just did. Now you gotta kiss the cod. It's a vital part of the ceremony. I can't do it. All right, look, I'll make 
you deal. Either you kiss this fish, or else you kiss this Englishman that you're not married to. After listening to and watching the Screech Inn sequence, I've come to a couple of conclusions. First, I believe I would drink the Screech. Second, I believe I would kiss the cod. Yes, I would. Now, Chris does not drink and thus would not consume the Screech, but he has told me he would kiss the cod. Mwah! How about you, fair listener? Would you drink the Screech? Would you kiss the cod? Would Screech from Saved by the Bell drink the Screech? Would Screech from Saved by the Bell kiss the cod? Oh, he would absolutely kiss the cod. That dude was a fucking freak. My parents must have thought They had a crazy kid Cause I was one of those kids Who always knew what I wanted They took me down to the airport To see all the Watching them fly, something inside of me was starting I was eight when I told them that I'd be a pilot But I was too young and too short And there were no female captains And my dad said, be patient He said, just see what happens But I took my first lesson, came down from the sky And told my father I'd fly for the rest of my life And I got my first job, flying for a mortician the corpse and me five dollars an hour for flying dead bodies i had to climb over their faces just to get to my seat the sky, I found myself pondering the ways in which death informed Beverly's role as a pilot. Her career began with transporting corpses and very nearly came to an end when 9-11 taught the world to associate planes with death. Pointing at this irony may not get me into Mensa anytime soon, but it struck me as important, and if the authors are not willing to point at these ironies, then who is left to do the pointing? Me! That's who! I am the one who points! Me and the Sky is easily the most popular song from this week's subject, and it's not hard to see why. The number is exceptionally written and performed with gusto by Jen Colella, but it also gives the people what they want, namely the chance to connect with someone without fear of interruption. The experience of watching Come From Away is often comparable to speed dating, where time is never on your side and every moment is fleeting by design. I Am Here is a solid character solo, I stand by that, but it ends too soon, I wanted it to be longer, and upon further reflection, it keeps us at a distance to a degree. We are never made to feel as if we are in the room with Hannah. We're watching her eavesdrop 
eavesdropping on her in a deeply private moment, really, whereas Beverly is actively offering us a seat at the table, a literal table. We spend enough time hovering over these people, flitting back and forth between them like channels on a television. I relished the opportunity to meet someone at eye level for once, and I believe theatergoers on the whole felt the same way. I have no interest in reworking Come From Away from the ground up, but the structure could stand to take a cue from shows like Follies and Working, where characters taking control of the apron and defining themselves is the norm and not the exception. Hey, you know who could use a song? Ollie. Stop the word. Take a picture. Try to capture to ensure this moment lasts. We're still in it, but in a minute, that's the limit, and this present will be past. So here we are, where the world has come together. So here she'll be in this picture forever. Look at this. 540 million years ago, the continents of the world crashed together right here. And 200 million years ago, they separated again, moving apart from each other. Huh. But a little part of them was left behind. <laughs> I should move. You're missing all the scenery. No, no, no. Stay where you are. Really? Really. It's perfect. Stop the world. Seize the moment. But the minute he goes, you're alone. Through. Pinch yourself, tell yourself You're just dreaming, that means he'll forget about you But here we are, where the continents once crashed together Scenery of a lookout, of a moment which is over, of the ocean, of the river, of the trees. The World is a duet for Nick and Diane, played here by Lee McDougall and Sharon Wheatley. This is actually the only duet in the show, and while I would love to say it left me swooning in the aisles, I found it to be a bland exercise informed by bland characterization. McDougall and Wheatley are doing their best, but they cannot overcome the constraints of the material, the emotional constraints of the material, I should say. Nick and Diane are not demonstrating a degree of passion that calls for music. Doubt informs their every move because they do not have a firm grasp on how they feel about each other and lack the necessary courage to ask. 
They hardly even look at each other. That is not musical theater, my friends. That is a Chekhov play. Now, if you want to write a song where Nick and Diane spill the romantic beans mere moments before parting ways at the airport, I would be all about that. Great musicals pick their musical moments wisely, strategically. Yes, of course they do. And Stop the World simply isn't the right moment for music. Now, uh-uh. I want to hear a bit of the finale from Come From Away. Can we just hear it? I don't have any commentary for it, but I would like to give the listeners a sample, a yummy sample of the finale. Let's go. One, two, three, four. Welcome to the friends who have come from away. Welcome to the locals who have always said they'd stay. If you're coming from Toledo or you're coming from Taipei, because we come from everywhere, we, we all come from away. Welcome to the rock. meant to be but nothing goes as planned and the drunkest fellas in the room are playing in the band Fantastic. Okay, it is now time to hear from our fine, fine sponsor, 5678 Coffee. Take it away, 5678. Butterfingers! Hello, look at you, Butterfingers! Do that again! That's the end of your career! I'm grabbing you by the cuffs, boy! Do you understand what tonight means? Huh? Why do you think I asked you to come in early like this? Why do you think you're trying to serve five, six, seven, eight coffee, our finest beverage? Why do you think you're serving it to a mannequin sitting at a table dressed in a tuxedo? Mmm! Yes! That's right! Mr. List is coming to the restaurant tonight, and Mr. List is a very important man. You cannot be spilling your tray like a Butterfingers. What if you were to spill your coffee all over him like you just did with the mannequin? Oh, the mannequin. How could you do this to me? Do you want us all to be killed? Mr. List is the most powerful mobster in all of Hamburg. Yes, that's where we are, of course. If you make but a single mistake, he will put us all on his red list. Yes, that's right. He has a red list of names. And slowly but surely, he will come. He will come for all of us. And he will make us pay the piper with our lives. Our lives, boy. Now do that again. Do it again. And remember, our lives are on the line. Oh, no! You did it again, Butterfingers. Do you want a knife to my throat? Oh, oh better question. If you don't care about me, do you want a knife to your throat? Ah, this is the only mannequin we have, boy. Do you understand that? Do it again! No! <laughs> I'm going to lay a finger on this butterfinger, that's for sure. Ah, that's it! I'm killing you myself! Focus, give me a kiss. I love you very much, I don't want you to die. Now, do it again! And this time, oh, shake that moneymaker! <laughs> I hate to see you leave, but I love to watch you walk away. Five, six, seven, eight, coffee! You can count on it! Who am I talking to? 
Final thoughts regarding Come From Away. I enjoyed Come From Away a lot. I did. But the more I considered the wider implications of 9-11, the harder it became to accept the show's optimistic ending at face value. To summarize that ending, uh, terrible things happened, but we made friends along the way, eh? Right? That's basically the message at the end of the show, and I find that to be a strategically pat way of viewing these events, so steeped in American exceptionalism and privilege, forget about how 9-11 spawned decades of war and capitalist opportunism, forget about how it activated an entire generation of conspiracy theorists who are still trying to undermine global and domestic progress to this day. That's not the scope of our story. Our story is about a particular group of people, people like Hannah and Bayula and Nick and Diane and Ali. Let's talk about Ali again, shall we? Specifically, the strip search he undergoes before returning to the U.S. Come From Away knows enough to characterize the strip search as a deeply shameful experience for Ali. It is a physical violation, a spiritual and cultural violation, and a violation of his rights as a human being. And the show is unafraid to say as much. But at the same time, we are explicitly told the strip search was absolutely necessary. This is a matter of national security, Ollie. We feel your pain. We do. We don't. But we say we do for the sake of coming off as good people. But nothing is more important than our peace of mind. And at the end of the day, we were simply following orders. You cannot make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. Ollie, you're the eggs, Ollie. It's propaganda. This is propaganda. I wouldn't be so concerned with the Ollie problem if they had just written a fucking song for the character instead of relegating him to the status of a pop-up POC. But... What's done is done, the die is cast. Oh, I also want to talk about the rhetorical question Kevin T. poses at one point in the book. He goes to a gas station in Newfoundland, and he witnesses small-town Newfoundlanders observing a moment of silence for those who passed during the events of 9-11, and he poses a rhetorical question to us, the audience. He essentially, this is paraphrased, but he asks, would small-town Americans at a gas station observe a of silence for a country that was not their own. He's impressed by the Newfoundlanders, and he wonders if Americans would do the same. And the short answer that I would like to supply to this question, which I understand is meant to be rhetorical, is no. That's my short answer. Long answer, America was obscenely self-absorbed leading up to 9-11 and only got worse in its wake. We became incredibly xenophobic and self-interested. There are millions of Americans who wanted to observe a moment of silence for Americans at this point. Are you kidding me? You can't silence me. I don't give a fuck about you or your grandma or your toddler. I don't care about my toddler or my grandma or me. This is a homicidal, suicidal country is what I'm trying to say. Not a big fan of the United States. I'll put that on the record. Now, in 2017, the winner of the Tony Award for Best Musical was Dear Evan Hansen, and the additional nominees that season were Groundhog Day and Natasha P and the Great Comet 
1812. That means we have covered all of the shows in this season. Wait, 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 what am I doing? I have to ask myself the question, did Dear Evan Hansen deserve to win the Tony Award for Best Musical over all of these other shows? And my answer, my short answer is no. My long answer is Dear Evan Hansen can bite my penis. It can bite my penis is what it can do. Why am I doing that to myself? I decide, I decide who gets to walk away with this medallion, and I'm going to give it to Natasha, Pierre, and the Great Comet of 1812. That's the show that should have walked away with the medallion for Best Musical. Circling back, we're circling back to the fact that we have now covered all of the shows, the nominees from this season, which means we have to hear from an old friend. That's right. Oh, he's big. He's green. He's horny as fuck. Take it away, old friend, you horny green bastard. A bastard am I? Oh, I'll get you for that one, Jonathan. Oh, 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 but right after Donkey, oh, stops biting my penis. Oh, he's really munching down on that. He's treating it like a slimy churro he is. Now, the question that's been posed to me, Shrek, once again is, I have to look at all of the, the shows that have been nominated for this season, eh? And I have to answer the question, what show is going to get in my belly? <laughs> I have to tell a show to get in my belly now. I'm going to tell you right now. Dear Evan Hansen, I don't want you in my belly. I don't want to hear you whining inside me, dummy. Oh, I'm so sad. Oh, I broke my arm. Shut up in there. You're supposed to be getting digested and you're Screams are making me crazy. Get the fuck out of here. I'm not putting you in my belly. Groundhog Day. Have you ever put a groundhog in your belly? Oh, the squirmy little ones they are. They tried to go up back through your throat and out your mouth. Oh, they tried to go through your butt way too fast. Oh, no, 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 no. It's like trying to digest a tiny furry cannonball. I wouldn't recommend it. Now, Natasha Pierre and the great Comet of AT-12. Yeah, you would think. Oh, donkey, don't stop. Oh, don't stop, donkey. Oh, ah, oh, ah, ah. Ting, tang, wada, wada, bing, bang. Ha, ah, now you would think a comet would be even harder to digest than a furry little groundhog, eh? Oh, but I'm telling you, a comet knows which way to go. And the legacy that it leaves after, oh, it fills you with light and fire in your belly. Oh, and that's what I want. I want a fire in my belly. <laughs> so I can go to town on this little donkey of mine. Oh, isn't that the right donkey? <laughs> so that's what I have to say to you. I want to clutch the comet from space. I want to bring it down like I'm some sort of toad tail ball bunion figure. Ball? Paul bunion figure. Ooh, I want to slurp up the tail like it's a noodle. Ha <laughs> Hey, have I answered your question? Oh, I'm so close. Oh, I'm so close. I don't want to go on mic. Okay, donkey, do me a favor. Give me a fucking second. Okay. All right. Thank you for having me on the show again. It's explicit. It gets a little explicit and funky. Ah, yeah, baby. Yeah. <laughs> but I'll see you again the next time you close out our season. Oh, my little ears are twitching. Oh, donkey. Oh, you're surprising me from behind, are you? Oh, you're licking the welcome mat, are you? Oh, I. Oh, let's go, donkey. All right, bye-bye. Always nice to hear from Shrek. It's disturbing, but it's nice. <laughs>
<laughs> it is now time to rank Come From Away against all of the other musicals we have talked about here on the podcast. As always, if you want to look at this rundown of ours, find us on twitter.com slash musicalmanpod. Access our link tree from that profile. You'll find a spreadsheet. The second tab of that spreadsheet provides all the ranking info you want to know. We are going to place Come From Away at number 46 on our list. That is between Town, which has been moved. It is now residing at number 45, and A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder is at number 47, forming a nice little sandwich. When it comes to show-related ephemera, I would like to read a selection from a medium piece I found, which goes under the heading, the title, Going Deeper with Gratitude and Compassion, a come-from-away story, and this was written by Kevin T. Kevin Turf, and was posted on March 12, 2019. Here is that sample for you now. Quote, Two years ago today, I walked on a Broadway stage and took a bow in front of a cheering audience, all giving a standing ovation for the opening night of Come From Away at the Schoenfeld Theater on Broadway. The emotional part of that curtain call was this was the first time Kevin J., Kevin Jung, and I had seen each other since we ended our relationship eight years prior. In the musical, the gay couple Kevin T. and Kevin J. broke up because of 9-11. That's fine for storytelling purposes, but the reality is we spent many years together after our time in Gander, but parted ways in 2010. After that, we didn't speak to each other. It was too difficult to just be friends. After we took a final bow, we walked off stage and crowded in the side stage area. It was time to thaw the ice which had developed between Kevin and me since we split. Backstage, we hugged briefly, and I joked to Kevin, you finally made it on a Broadway stage, for a standing ovation even. Back in the late 1990s, my work brought me to New York at least once per year. Each time, I brought Kevin along, especially so we could go see a Broadway show or two. Among our favorites were Sideshow, Titanic, Kiss Me Kate, and Grey Gardens. The real Kevin J is very talented musically, and he really should have tried a stint at being an actor in a Broadway musical. Quote, so there you go. That's the real story behind Kevin T and Kevin J. I'm so glad I found that. I was very interested in the real story. I would also like to offer you, the listener, a few samples from a 2021 CBC News special, which is known as Connecting Through Gander, September 11th, 2001. We have three segments here, as I said. The first segment is an interview with the real Nick and Diane Marson. Let's play that. Now, I understand you have both come back to Newfoundland a number of times to remember your honeymoon, celebrate your anniversary, and I'm told you have seen Come From Away how many times? 118. <laughs> 118? Yes. And, and, I, and when, when people look at us thinking, well, you know, we know, we know now they're crazy, it, <laughs> Diane's response to that is that it, it's kind of like we're renewing our vows every time we see it. Yeah. It takes us back to that happy time, not that we're not happy now, but it takes us back to that first rush of feelings for mm -hmm. someone. And so many couples come up to us after the, the show from the audience, and it has taken them back to that time when they met their special someone. Yeah. It, it reminds you of love, and I think the love flowed from those people who were like angels taking care of us. 
Well, finally, I would like both of you to settle an age-old question here for everybody watching in Canada about destiny. Uh, Diane, you were in your 60s. Nick, you were in your 50s. Was what happened 20 years ago, was, was that fate? Oh, I, we, I we, we believe so. Yeah, I definitely so. think so. Diane hadn't kissed me on the school bus going back to the airport. I'd probably still be in <laughs> well, England now. I figured that was my last chance because <laughs> we were going back to the airport to fly to Houston, uh, we were never going to see each other again. And so she played a race. Yes, I played my ace card. This second segment, which you are about to hear, is an interview with Sheila Coates, who was a volunteer from Appleton. Hi, my name is Sheila Coates. On September 11th, I was living in uh, in Appleton in central Newfoundland. The passengers on those flights were not necessarily all Americans. In fact, for several that we had at the hall, English wasn't their first language. For some of them, it wasn't a language that they had any facility in at all. There was one man, the guy in the white shirt. Again, I've no idea what his name was. 40-ish man, and, you know, he seemed to be sort of wandering around on his own as well. And, of course, I'm trying to communicate with him, and it's not happening. He's he's just smiling and nodding at me. I remembered a, a family in Gander who had emigrated here uh, post-war. He had worked at the airport, so I asked Mr. Manko if he could come out to Appleton. Just cold called him. I asked Mr. Manko, could you, could you speak to him? Could you try to say hi? And he did. And this gentleman, his eyes lit up, and they reached out and held each other's hands hands for the longest time and like he was fine he was talking to somebody who knew everything he was saying from that moment on every time he saw me he put his hand up on his heart the night that they all left they had the windows down on the bus and the rain was pouring over the windows and the last thing that I can think from that night was that gentleman from northern Europe on the bus with his hand up on his chest saying goodbye to me. And I remember after the bus, the last bus left, we came back in the hall and we just hugged each other and cried. And then finally, we have a series of passenger testimonials, which were meant to go out to the people of Gander who helped them through their troubling time. It's it's quite touching. Now, I should say at one point, you will hear cicadas in the background of one of these testimonials. They are a bit overwhelming, but I'm sure we'll get through it. Can we play that now? My voice is going! We're going to leave you now with some thank yous from, from friends that were made 20 years ago. Hi, from Reno, Nevada. My name is Kelly Russell, and I was on United Flight 929 on September 11th, 20 years ago. Well, greetings from Auckland, New Zealand. My name is Elias Canaris, and I was on United Airlines Flight UA929. Hi, my name is Carrie, and I was flying from Dublin, Ireland to Newark, New Jersey on September 11th. Hello, my name is Stephen Brecker, and on 9-11, I was on Virgin Atlantic Flight VS-21. Hi, my name is Lynn. I'm from Glasgow in Scotland. I was travelling by myself to Chicago when I landed in Gander. We're uh, Billy, Beth and Deanna Wakefield from Tennessee and uh, we were on day 26 of our adoption trip um, on September 11th, 2001 and just before US airspace we were diverted to Gander. I felt then, as I do now, that on that day we experienced the worst and the best of humanity. 20 years later, all I want to say is thank you, Gander. I think of you often. Um, you treated us with utmost kindness and opened your homes and your hearts to us. And for that, I deeply, deeply thank you. And they didn't care about color, religion, and anything. They just were there 
to help. If it wasn't for you giving up your time, giving up your food and your homes to us, we would have crumbled. And amongst all the craziness, all I can ever remember feeling was safe and looked after. In some ways, obviously it was the worst time for everybody, but they made a bad time much better for us. So we really do appreciate everything. Anyone I meet till this day, I always tell them the story about my time in Glenwood and in Gander and how fabulous the people were. And I still get choked up thinking about the kindness that was shown to me. And I just want to say thank you to everyone in Gander and Glenwood. Thanks for everything. We appreciate you so much. Bye for now. Your kindness and generosity has never been forgotten. Thank you so much and take care. To determine which show we discuss next, we'll need to take a ride on the musical carousel, otherwise known as the Random Number Generator, I named after that classic Rogers and Hammerstein show. My wife, she sleeps with the, how you say, garbage man. Everyone ready? Then away we go. Alright, this is the subject for the main feed for next week. It was a 1990 nominee for the Tony Award for Best Musical, and it ran for 1,017 performances. Do you know what the next subject of our main feed episode is? Do you know? It's Grand Hotel, Grand Hotel, Grand Hotel. It's coming at you in a week. Look for it. Go to patreon.com slash musicalmanpod to find out how you can support the show financially. 100% of every monthly payout is donated to the Okra Project. We need to get through this fast. My vocal cords are falling apart. You can donate one, three, five, or ten dollars a month. If you donate one dollar a month via Patreon, you get Monday early access to all of our main feed episodes. You get a weekly shout out, a verbal shout out each and every week. Thank you so much for donating at least one dollar a month. Elizabeth, Aaron, Jason, Jack, Vitor, Sydney, Katie, Elena, Anton, Ross, HJG, Jared, Eli, David, Dave, Christopher, Neil, Brian, Robin, Liz, Carrie, Maddie, Jonathan, Marcus, Rob, Shauna, Shiante, Roberto, Jordan, Ashley, Chris, JC, Jenna, Aaron, Lily, Haley, Brandon, Brad, Matt, Zach, and Marisol. You will also be granted access to our 17 bonus episodes, which are all about the 73rd Annual Tony Awards, a trailer review for the film Cats, ABC's The Little Mermaid Live, a full review of the motion picture Cats, Emma, the stage musical, Take Me to the World, a Sondheim 90th birthday celebration, Hamilton via Disney+, Plus, Documentary Now, original cast album co-op, John Mulaney and the Sack Lunch Bunch, Jingle Jangle, A Christmas Journey, Dolly Parton's Christmas on the Square, Arlo the Alligator Boy, West Side Story, a trailer review for West Side Story, I should say, Vivo, the Tony Awards present Broadway's Back, Diana, and Annie Live. You also get season one, 12 episodes of Radio Boy, and all 12 episodes of M3, the movie musical man. If you donate $3 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus a musical shout out in the style of a character, actor, or composer of your choosing, all 10 episodes of Wildcats Everywhere, the high school musical podcast, and a one-off episode about season one of Julie and the Phantoms. Ah, rest in peace, Julie and the Phantoms. You have been canceled. Oh my gosh. 
Oh, how terrible. If you donate $5 a month, oh my god, I sound like a grandmother. You get everything I've already described, plus you get to stop the musical carousel and determine what show I discuss on the podcast. You get seasons one and two, that's 24 episodes of All I Ask of You, an advice show hosted by the Phantom of the Opera. You also get access to our Broadway and Chicago review series. Unfortunately, I was not able to review Pretty Woman the Musical. That run was canceled due to a breakthrough case of COVID-19, but our next episode is set to drop January 19th of 2022, and that will be dedicated to Oklahoma. But we're not done with this tier. You also get volumes 1, 2, 3, and 4 of Shout About It, which is a compendium of 5, 6, 7, 8 coffee ads and musical shoutouts from the first 100 episodes of the podcast. Finally, if you donate $10 a month, you get everything I've already described, plus exclusive announcements regarding future subjects of the main feed, season 1, 12 episodes of The Snub Club, and all of the episodes we have produced of Turn It Off. If you're listening to the show via Apple Podcasts or Podchaser, please, again, take a moment to write that five-star review. We have 52 five-star reviews. We want 60. You can stream the show via Spotify, Stitcher, Audible, or Podbean, musicalmanpod.podbean.com. Follow us on Twitter at musicalmanpod and email me at musicalmanpod at gmail.com. Thanks, as always, to Patty and Benny for sticking by my side. Here's to another year. Thank you to Alex Green for our beautiful logo and Zach Little for our fabulous music. Oh, well, you know what that sound means and not too soon. My God, I'm a little old lady. Yes, just when the fun is starting comes the time for parting. Oh, well, we'll catch up some other time, specifically on the next episode of The Musical Man. So long, farewell, and off Venusian. Good night. Good night.